Hi, I'm Sarah Poopor, and you're listening to Figuring It Out. So today on the podcast, I'm starting the first of a three-part episode series on surviving difficult situations. So for the following two episodes after this, I'm going to interview people that have overcome really difficult situations and made the best out of it and learned from it and carried on and figured it out. So let's get into today's guest. Sophie Child was born in small town Malone, New York in 1996. As she grew up, she quickly learned that she had a great love for people. By the age of 13, she knew that she wanted to work helping women give birth to their babies. She loved children, she loved people, she loved helping, and nursing was the perfect fit. When she was done high school, she went on to pursue her education at McGill University. While studying nursing, she fell in love with a previous boyfriend, Abe Gravel. The two had dated in high school and broken up, but they realized that they still had love for each other. The two moved to Vermont in 2020 after Sophie finished her degree, and in 2021, they tied the knot in August. That leads us to 2022. Sophie became pregnant and gave birth to a girl, Remy. Their story is one that is incredibly difficult, but incredibly inspiring. So today, I am joined by not only Sophie, but Remy too, and we are going to discuss this incredible journey. So let's get into it. So I think the only logical place to begin telling your story is to first ask you how you found out you were pregnant. What did that look like? What did that feel like? Just walk us through that whole process. I guess I'll preface that by saying that we were not planning to have a baby when we did. I, in the summer of 2021, had um, my next implant that I was using for birth control removed. At that point, it had been almost 10 years that I had been using hormonal birth control, and I, I wanted to see what my body was like without it. So we were using the um, natural family planning method. However... <laughs> About two weeks after our wedding, while still in that honeymoon phase, we kind of slipped up on our natural family planning method (laughs) and um, conceived a baby. (laughs) And I didn't even miss my period before I took a test. I just, I felt very strange, very tired. I took a test before I even missed my period and it was glaringly positive. (laughs) So now you know you're pregnant, you're carrying on with your life. What did pregnancy look like from then on? Was it a relatively easy pregnancy? Was it difficult? How did it go for you? So the rest of pregnancy was good overall. It was a healthy pregnancy. The thing that I really struggled with um, in my first and second trimester was deciding how and where I wanted to give birth. I had always kind of imagined that I would have home births. Um, That became a little bit complicated because we weren't planning for this baby and we weren't necessarily as financially prepared as I would have liked. We had just gotten married and spent some money there and we were looking for a house. And um, for listeners that don't know, um, home birth quite often is not covered by insurance. And that was the case in my situation. So I had established care um, with the hospital that I worked at. And in the meantime, I had also transferred jobs. I had previously been working on a med surge unit, and I transferred to um, the labor and delivery unit, ironically. Ironically. (laughs) So I had established care with 
the doctors that I was working with, the doctors and midwives, but I still really felt like I was going to regret it. So I consulted with a home birth midwife that is really respected in our community. I, I just felt very connected with her. And so at 16 weeks, I decided to move forward. So getting into the actual birth of Remy, how did your labor story begin? Where were you? How were you feeling? What time was it? Just paint the picture of how it started. So I had been experiencing prodromal labor for about two weeks before I actually went into real labor. So I'll explain what that means. Yeah. <laughs> prodromal labor is basically all these signs of signs and symptoms of labor, specifically like contractions for like several hours at a time regularly that lead to nothing. Right. <laughs> and it's, it was extremely frustrating. And I was having that for about two weeks leading up to when I actually went into labor. But the night before I before labor started, I was having contractions again and they felt very different. So I said to myself, you know, I probably should go to bed and get some rest because whether this is labor or not, I need to rest. Then I woke up at 3 a.m. Just kind of, I wasn't really sure why I woke up, but I got up. I was like, oh, well, you know, typical like third trimester I was like I better go pee mm -hmm. <laughs> so as I'm like halfway down my stairs so my bathroom is on the first floor I had a big contraction and like a huge movie style gush of my water breaking <laughs> and I was like okay I'm halfway down the stairs right now do I go back up or do I continue <laughs> going down <laughs> so yeah that's that's how it started. Once your water broke and it was established that, okay, you're going to have this baby, how did the rest of labor progress from there on out? So labor progressed really well to start with. My mom drove in from New York and I spent like the first part of my labor just kind of chilling by myself downstairs, doing some stretches and different positions to try to get the baby in an optimal position and my midwife arrived around 11 and um, she had to she got all her equipment set up she had to do a postpartum visit with another patient so she left for about two hours and came back at 1 p.m she ended up checking me mid-afternoon and I was like eight and a half centimeters when she checked me so things progressed well um the next time that she checked me which was like late afternoon like just before dinner time I was nine and a half centimeters um and I, I felt great I felt super strong I had my husband and my mom supporting me and we had made some artwork with birth affirmations to surround me and we're listening to music and dancing and it really was it was lovely it was exactly what I had been wanting you're at home you're with your midwife your husband your mom you're surrounded by people you love you're comfortable and then things start taking a turn how did this story progress in your own words how did it go from good to not so good so a little bit after dinner time, um, I knew that I was nine and a half centimeters. So me having the strong urge to push after knowing that I was nine and a half centimeters, we went ahead and started pushing. And I felt really great when I started pushing. I uh, felt super strong. However, it reached a certain point uh, of me pushing. 
as a nurse in the back of my mind going like, I don't feel her progressing down. And I started asking my midwife with each push, like, is there progress happening? Like, is she coming down? And so I was starting to get a sense that something might be off. And at this point, my midwife said to me, I think she may be asynclitic. So I'm sure that there are listeners out there that don't know what asynclitic means. I know I didn't know what it meant until talking with you. So can you just explain that real quick for anyone that doesn't understand? So asynclitic is basically a a term for the way that a baby's head can be malpositioned in labor. And um, in a normal delivery, baby's head is like smack dab center with the chin tucked down to the chest and not off to one side or the other. However, (laughs) my baby's head was tipped to one side toward her shoulder and she did not have her chin tucked to her chest. It was extended. Home birth was always what drew you into this field initially. You wanted to be a midwife. You love children. You've always discussed and wanted this to be your passion. So at what point was it a deciding factor to choose to continue your birth at the hospital, even though this was your dream and this is what you always wanted? What caused you to finally say, okay, we need to go to the hospital and continue this in a different setting? So when my midwife told me that she was asynclitic, I knew the implications that that was going to have for my labor and birth. I knew that it was going to be very challenging to push this baby out um, and that we were going to have to try to reposition her. Um, However, I was reaching a point where I had been almost 24 hours without sleep and before that only having gotten three hours. Um, And I also was struggling to stay still during contractions. And in order to try some maneuvers to get this baby repositioned, I was going to have to stay still. Um, So I was really feeling like the best option for me going forward was to go to the hospital to get an epidural, get some rest, and then um, try to reposition her because I would be able to stay still. So to clarify, up until this point, you were not on any medication. Correct. So 24 hours without any type of pain medications. The original plan this entire birth was to give birth at home with a midwife. And now you've had to make the difficult decision to continue birth at the hospital. So what did this transition look like for you in this situation? So I was um, very grateful because the midwife that was on call when I went in um, was someone that I felt really connected to. And I was able to bring my mom, my husband, and my midwife from home was able to come on with me as a doula, which is like a support person. Um, So I was really emotional and kind of pissed off when I got to the hospital because that was not where I wanted to be. But I knew it was where I needed to be if I wanted to try to salvage this birth. Um, And they welcomed me with open arms and were so kind and – just really listened to what I wanted to do for the plan going forward and agreed that that's what we would do. So you've made this difficult decision, one that you weren't particularly thrilled about 
as we've discussed. So you're coming from home where you're surrounded by everything that you've loved, objects all around you, and now you're in the hospital. Walk us through what that looked like, the hospital setting versus your home birth setting that you had planned on and hoped for and prepared for, not only while pregnant, but your whole life. Whenever you pictured yourself having a child, it was at home. So what did that transitional period from deciding to be at home to being in the hospital look like? So I got my epidural relatively quickly and was able to get to sleep. Like I fell asleep instantly. I could hear myself snoring before I actually like my brain was shut off, (laughs) which was an interesting experience. Um, And it was the most glorious thing. Um, (laughs) But um, I got awoken very quickly around six o'clock in the morning because my baby had a massive drop in her heart rate that lasted for 10 minutes. Uh, And as soon as everyone came in, I knew exactly what was happening because I play that role in my job day to day of being the one going in to do this stuff to try to get the baby's heart rate back up. So, um, you know, I was epiduralized, like getting onto hands and knees by myself because before they could even try to help me, I knew it was happening and I was so determined. And even though I was numb, I was like flipping myself around side to side, hands and knees to try to get my baby's heart rate back up, find a position that was good to make her happy. And, you know, to a certain extent, changes in baby's heart rates uh, can be a normal part of labor and birth because they are being compressed on their way out. However, It is not normal for a baby's heart rate to drop for 10 minutes as low as hers did. And the midwife did another exam of my cervix and found that I was swollen to about 7 to 8 centimeters. And they very reasonably called a C-section at that point. I was really upset in that moment, but I totally trusted their call as well. The OB provider obviously had to take over at this point because she was the surgeon. And she also is like the one that I would have chosen. And she is extremely patient and really focused on protecting physiologic birth. So when she looked at me and was like, Sophie, this is not happening, mm-hmm. I was like, okay. <laughs> like I, I trusted her so much. So they were really compassionate, but they were also really clear that, like, this wasn't a choice at this point. Like, this, she needed to come out because she was waving the white flag that she was done. So having a C-section is an incredibly intense procedure that a lot of people overlook simply because it's natural for a lot of women to choose the C-section route. But I just want to ask you, what were the physical impacts for both you and Remy of having a C-section. My baby was born at 727. Um, and when she came out, she had her eyes open. They were able to drop the color drape and there was just a clear drape so we could see her coming out. She looked right at us. Um, but I knew looking at her that she didn't look so hot. <laughs> and she actually spent about 15 minutes on the warmer in the OR being resuscitated. She was having a lot of trouble breathing. She had to be suctioned and she had to get CPAP 
which is it's like a mask that provides air that's pressurized to help open up the lungs uh, with oxygen as well. So she uh, she had a bit of a rough start there. I actually ended up losing almost one liter of blood. Um, so it was almost a postpartum hemorrhage because they consider a postpartum hemorrhage one liter and more. But it was still enough to to feel that, feeling just really weak. Also, when my epidural wore off and they have to start doing what's called a fundal check where they're feeling in your belly for the top of your uterus to feel that it's nice and firm and clamping down on all those blood vessels from where the placenta came out. The first one that they did, I just, it was like when you get hit in the face or like hit in the nose where you just have like instant tears that are just uncontrollable. It was like that times a thousand. (laughs) On the other side of the spectrum, the same way people often overlook the physical implications of giving birth, they also overlook the mental implications, especially in a situation where you're thrown into a C-section that was completely unexpected. So what did the mental aspect of this entire situation look like for you? So emotionally, I, I felt extremely overwhelmed in that initial period. And, and even through like the first couple months, I really felt the need to process my experience out loud and try to understand what happened and why it happened. I really needed it to make sense to me. And I was able over the coming week to kind of put those puzzle pieces together of what ultimately led to me having a C-section. And it really truly was like the combination of the impact of COVID along with the fact that my baby was not positioned correctly. And I'm grateful that I had that available to me because in other countries, women who have babies that don't come out, what ends up happening is their babies die and then they die, either from bleeding or infection. And realizing that, thinking about that made me really emotional too, to think how grateful I was, but also how sad that makes me for other women around the world. Even if my baby gets malpositioned, I'll be able to fix it. And I, and I wasn't. And that was really humbling and um, really gave me a new perspective moving forward. So you endured a situation that not only threatened your own life, but the life of your firstborn child. At such a young age, you're in your early 20s. You have your whole life ahead of you. What did the experience teach you not only about life, but about the field you work in, the field that you've loved, what new perspective did it offer from someone just barely getting started in life? So my experience has really changed how I go about my work now. It just is so much more on a personal level when you've experienced that, that even though, you know, everyone's extremely compassionate at my job, but when you're able to relate some to someone who's had that kind of experience, it's it's just a different thing altogether. And I actually recently had a patient who had a C-section and had a kind of a, a very similar birth to me, and her baby needed some help after. And I was able to go into that room and sit down and say, hey, I I had a really similar experience and I know that it was really helpful for me to talk. And so I know that I'm a stranger, but if you want to talk, I'm here. And it was just 
kind of similar to me, just like that word vomit of just like processing out loud. And and she did say, you know, of course everyone was extremely kind and and listened to her, but that it was different when it was talking to someone that you know has experienced that themselves. And so I I feel you know, I'm taking this experience and turning it positive of applying it to my work and being able to be that person for someone else. Because I found it really helpful to talk to people who had had C-sections, especially ones that were unplanned and emergencies the way mine was. So, you know, to be able to do that for others is just, it really brings another level of gratification to my work. My final question for you is how are both you and Remy doing today? We're doing great. Um, Remy just turned five months yesterday, and she is super healthy. She's still little. She's in the 35th percentile, her weight, but um, that's way better than where she started at the ninth. So um, she's growing like a weed, and she's just such a joy in our lives. Um, I am back to work now. I went back at about three months and, um, you know, that was its own challenge finding that new balance and, and how all of this has changed our relationship too. But, you know, we're figuring it out. And, um, that's kind of what I've learned is that it's, it's a lot of just, you're just figuring it out as it happens. And it's a lot of trial and error. And, um, but, you know, we're doing it as a team, so makes it a little easier. (laughs) I would just like to end this episode by extending the biggest of thank yous to Sophie for telling me her story and letting me get to learn alongside of her and sharing it with all the listeners. I just know she's going to continue to help so many women through their journeys similar to hers and different too. Um, It was just so amazing to get to talk to her. Be sure to listen for the next episode of this series where we will discuss mental health with one of my friends, Emma. Thanks for listening. This was Figuring It Out.